PulpMX Network Production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Welcome in, everybody. How in the hell are you guys doing out there? Thank you for downloading this episode, and thank you for, of course, subscribing to this podcast. This is the one and only RockyMountainATVMC.com. Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Racetech. So hopefully you guys aren't killing each other yet. You know, you're with your family a lot. You're quarantined. Hopefully you're not sick, and you need to take your mind off some of this crap that's been going on lately. So we are here to talk about which new 450 motocross bike is right for you. We're going to break down each character of each 450 MX machine, and then hopefully that guides you in the right direction on your purchase. Quick little uh, insight here. I get many emails per day, right? And a lot of those emails are, the title of them are, which bike? Question mark. Which bike is right for me? Question mark. So I said, why the hell not do this right now when you guys are out window shopping, maybe browsing on your laptops, your computer, and thinking about getting a new 450 motocross bike? Well, I'm going to try to help you guys here on this podcast break each bike down, give you the characters, and hopefully guide you in the right direction so you guys can make your purchases correctly. Also, I can kind of tell you in this podcast which type of engine character I like, which bike I like to ride the most, if I could morph you know, and take little bits and pieces of each bike, how I would do that. So we're going to have some fun on this episode and break all this stuff down. And of course, as usual, any questions about this stuff, always doesn't matter if it's redundant, I will try my best to answer your questions. That's why we created this sucker, Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. And I love being, honestly, I love talking about dirt bikes. It's my job. I like helping people. It, I really enjoy when I hear, hey, Kiefer, thank you very much. You guided me in the right way. I like to know that I'm helping you guys out. And, of course, my advertisers do as well, so don't forget about them. If you're going to do some shopping during this time, please support my advertisers. That's why they're on the show because I simply make purchases through them on my own dime as well. These are why these guys are here. I don't take advertising money from BS advertisers. So we're here to help. They're here to help. And that's why we're all blending together to make this sucker run smoothly. So let's first things first, pay some bills. RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes, low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping over 75 bucks. It's so damn easy to see why you guys should be shopping over there. But first, go to KieferInkTesting.com, click on the Rocky Mountain banner or widget, and that'll direct you to Rocky Mountain. But what that does, it gives us a little, a little bit of a kickback on what you guys are spending, and it just shows those guys out there like, hey, <laughs> those guys out there listening to Kiefer Tested, they support us, and it keeps us up and running and moving, so... There has been a lot of that going on, so thank you for everyone out there that is purchasing through Rocky Mountain. I could check it on my little dashboard that I have here in my studio, 
and I know what you guys are purchasing. So it's very cool to see how much of that stuff is getting funneled down into Rocky Mountain. So again, thank you guys for going to keyforinktesting.com and clicking on that. It helps us out a help helps us out a lot, excuse me. And um yeah, we'll just have some fun with this, keep this sucker moving and keep these advertisers happy. Of course, fly racing, man, there's some been some great stuff going on with fly racing lately. I can't wait for you guys to see the 2021 gear. It's going to be awesome. And uh if you guys have some you know, special needs for the summertime, go click on flyracing.com. Light hydrogen gear, the new kinetic mesh gear. You got the Fly Formula helmet. They even got some pretty damn good goggles. I will have to admit this. Usually, I'm not a big fan of gear companies making goggles because they're kind of cheap, but Fly does a great job. They have a couple different kinds. So, anyway, go check them out, flyracing.com. Stuff I wear, stuff my kid wears, it's the stuff Michael Allen wears. All of my guys over here at Kiefer Inc. Testing is Fly Racing Family, and that's what it is, a big family. Race Tech, another family that I love being a part of. Chris Riesenberg, he is out ripping his new Honda CRF450R. We'll discuss Chris and the character of that bike here in this episode. But if you want to get your suspension or your engine services completed the right way, Hit up racetech.com or simply email me and I will get you in touch with someone over there and get you guys a deal and get you a little bit happier with your machine. They do great work, both sides, suspension and engine. So I've had great experiences on a Honda, Kawasaki, more recently just on a Suzuki. So uh, good people over there, trustworthy guys, racetech.com. Paul Feed's been around a minute, very smart human being. So um, please try race tech if you haven't in a while sucks right now i can't ride any old timers events but they are supporting this podcast they are great people and they like to ride moto just because you're old doesn't mean you can't go race some motocross races pack up the family enjoy a weekend with the oregon old timers association you can go over there oregonoldtimers.com and hopefully we'll have some uh some resolve on the scheduling issues that we've been having with this pandemic so hopefully we get back to racing soon all right, that does uh, that does it for the little commercial thing that I like to spew out of my mouth before the shows. Thank you guys for putting up with it. So we're here to talk about which 450 motocross bike is good for you. Do you even need a 450 motocross bike? That is another question that I get constantly in my email. Chris, I'm 210 pounds. I'm six foot one. I know maybe I don't ride that much. I get arm pumping three laps. Do I need a 450? No, you do not need a 450 motocross bike. If you can handle it and you want the power, then that's where we're here today. We're going to talk about which type of power is right for that type of guy. And I like to cover a little bit before we jump into the 450 talk is you guys got to understand what type of rider you are. If you're not honest with yourself, you know, Seriously, think about it. Be honest with yourself. What type of rider you are? Um, how much moto to off-road are you doing? How many laps do you like to ride? Are you looking to go race? Um, are you looking to get stronger? Or you just want to ride on the weekends to clear your mind and you don't give a shit. just want to ride a dirt bike, hop on it, and go. We're going to break all of that down here and try to guide you on which bike to buy. Because simply for me, I love riding 450s. Yes, I do love 250 four-strokes, but to me, I need a little bit more horsepower to make me smile, to to really get me going thinking, man, this is something I want to purchase. 
Of course, I ride all the time. I I'm only 170 pounds, but I ride so much, I think I'm pretty strong on the bike. For those of you guys that are working, you know, every single day and got a one or two days off, maybe you can't hang on to a damn motorcycle that long. You don't need 450 cc's of power. That's too much. You guys listen to the 63 hours on the FC 450 just last episode. Matt Servog, he's one of my test guys. He is he's a strong like a fucking ox. He's built like a shit brick house, but he's not strong on the bike. There's two types of strength, right? There's dirt bike strength and then there's everything else. So, just because you can put up 245 or 250 on the bench doesn't mean you're going to be able to hold on to a 450cc motocross bike. It's a different muscle muscle group. Uh, it takes different uh, skills to handle the bike. So maybe you don't need all that power. Now, I want to really break down what type of guy I am because some of you guys ask me that as well. What do you look for in a machine? So here's what I figured out about myself. And of course, I've evolved over the years. So I'm sure you will too as you get better or maybe you haven't ridden. Things evolve, right? Either they progress or they regress. doesn't matter which way it is. And usually when we get older, we regress, right? We don't – it's very tough to keep what we have when we get older. When we're young, like my kid, he's 14. He's learning so much. He's advancing so much in a short amount of time. And that is just simply untrue for us older guys. For us to get the advantages as well as speed and strength, it takes a long time fucking hard time to do it it takes a long time and then it takes no time to lose it so i figured out in the grand scheme of all this stuff that i've been doing over many years the testing and all these things i used to think i wanted a lot of power i used to think man i want a 450 i want a ton of bottom end because i can hop over things well as bikes evolved and of course as i've gotten older i like a smoother delivery in bottom end I like to have that linear feel. I've come to the conclusion that I am more of a, I'm a better rider when I have a slower machine, uh, aka a 450, uh, a smoother, slower machine than I do a very fast, um, lots of excitement, and just has tons of bottom end power delivery. I've come to the conclusion that I'm better. Even though I don't feel that way, I've done the clock, I've done the lip pros, I've done all these things, and I've had people come up to me that I trust and say, hey, you ride much better on a KTM than you do a Yamaha. That hurts my heart. <laughs> it hurts my heart a little bit. As you guys know, I'm, I love a Yamaha 450. It's, it's one of my favorite bikes to ride, but... From what I've learned through lap times and when I ride it and from people actually knowing how I ride and they see me ride from day in and day out, they can tell that I'm better on a KTM. Why is that? Well, what I've come to the conclusion is it doesn't have as much excitement down low and it feels lighter. I think those two things right away for me help me. Again, I'm 170 pounds. I'm a smoother type of rider, and so when I have a linear delivery, I ride the bike harder. That is my thinking, okay? I have this Yamaha YZ450F that I ride good, I ride a gear high, but at times the Yamaha is a lot to deal with deep into a moto, 
because of its weight and its power delivery. And I can mellow out the power on the Yamaha, but it simply has a lot of it there. Now, if you ask me straight up which bike do I enjoy the most riding, it would be a YZ450F hands down. Comfort, delivery, excitement, all rolled into one. I love that machine. But as I've been riding, especially this past you know few weeks in this quarantine, I've been actually riding a lot because all I can do is ride from my house. So I've been really testing back-to-back on several machines in the shop. And the lap times simply say I'm better over a longer period of time on the KTM. Now, the short term, I'm better on a Yamaha. So if it's a quick race and I can expend that energy, I'm better on a Yamaha. And 20 minutes or more, I am actually better on a KTM or Husqvarna because of the engine delivery, plain and simple. Now, will I say am I that good on a KTM stock to stock versus a Yamaha? Absolutely not. There is more work done, and there's not a lot, but there's more work done on this KTM that I have testing than I do on the Yamaha. The Yamaha, I can leave, I can put five cc's of oil in the forks, the stock fork, leave leave the valving, and no pipe, no nothing, and ride it and just be like, wow, and just keep that lap time the same no matter what I do to the Yamaha. So... A little quick background before – actually, I just thought about this. I've been doing some ignition testing on the YZ450F. So we have the Yamaha Power Tuner app. It's bitching. You can screw with it. And then you have the Vortex that I kind of talk about a lot on the show as well. Well, the Yamaha hasn't really reacted favorably with a Vortex ignition. The more shit I've done to a Yamaha, the less I've liked it. I got a RaceRex garage build coming up that is going to be a Yamaha that's built. So it's going to be – one of the first ones that I've ridden that it, that is built since, I don't know, a year or two. So I'm curious to see how that thing is. But where I'm going with this is I have to do more work to the KTM, a muffler, an ignition, some suspension work. And then I'm like, okay, I can rip this bike and I can haul ass on it. But how much money am I in the negative is what I call it. How much money I'm in the negative after I purchased the KTM. So now I got a nine to $10,000 KTM and now I'm dumping three to four more thousand dollars into it to make it a bike that I really enjoy. Is it production? The best bike for me? No, the Yamaha for me is the best. I'm a front end turning guy. So the Yamaha turns really good on the front end once you have the SAG set. Again, 105 on the SAG. That's important on the Yamaha. Versus the KTM is more of a neutral bike. I can rear steer and front end steer, but then I'm dealing dealing with an air fork that is kind of... I will say this. 2020.5 air fork is better, but it still doesn't have the feel of a spring fork. Look, if you're an older guy, 30 or older, you're going to... Simply put, you're going to like a spring fork feeling better. Chances are that's what you've grown up riding as a kid. That's the feeling that you know. That's the traction that you know. That's the front end feeling that you know. All of these things, the spring fork just has that feel. It's It doesn't change over a moto. If it feels harsh somewhere on the track, it's going to feel harsh there every lap. It's consistent. If it's good somewhere on the track, it's good at that spot every lap. Unlike the Air Fork, well, I have a nice plush feel here, but 
oh, the next lap, hmm, not the same plushness, a little bit rigid, a little bit different. So very hard. It's like a moving target. It's tough to really hone in and get comfortable on that side of things with the fork. So what I'm getting at here for me is I've learned that I like a longer linear power like the KTM, okay, but I need a chassis that's stable. In order for me to do that on the KTM, I need to spend some money. So as I break down these bikes, just know that some take more work than others, and we will go over that, but some you can just ride, be happy, and just be content and do the best that you can, and others you need a little bit more dough to kind of get as good as a production bike. I know Steve always tells me, Kiefer, you should do a shootout with, uh, you know, three thousand dollar model. Let's say you price these bikes out. This is Suzuki, sixty five hundred bucks. Let's put three, three to four thousand dollars in the Suzuki. Is it going to beat the shootout winner? Which is a lot of it this year was the Yamaha, and I simply told him that's a dumb idea because it wouldn't. No matter what, you put three thousand dollars into a Suzuki. It's not going to be better than a Yamaha YZ450 if you are nitpicking these things. Yes, it will be better, and it will move up the ladder, but will it win? No. Probably because of the engine character and the way the chassis feels on the Suzuki. So there's just different aspects of buying a bike, and I'm going to try to hone in on that for you guys here. But I wanted to give you guys some background about me and what I look for in a bike, because I know some of you guys use that in your decision-making. So I am a cross between a KTM and a Yamaha guy personally, and uh, if Yamaha ever gets its weight down, okay, and keeps the stability that it does, it's going to be very, very, very difficult for any other manufacturer to really beat that bike as of right now. And, of course, other manufacturers will change over the years, but it's going to be hard, man, because the Yamaha is just easy to ride and hop on. I see a lot of emails that come to me, and you guys are a Yamaha owner, and you guys are like, man, it's a great bike. Some of you guys out there just simply do not like the bike because it feels fat. Maybe it doesn't corner as good as you uh, would like it to. So we're going to break that down right now. So let's start off with the Yamaha since we're kind of talking about that bike right now. Who is this bike for? Now. I would love to say it's an all-around bike for everybody, but that simply just isn't true. It has a strong engine like we discussed. It's very lively, very exciting, maybe too much for a lot of guys. I get a lot of guys going, hey, man, even the TP 3.0 is just simply too much. Is there something mellower? Yes, you can make it mellower, but it will never have the power character of a KTM and how linear that is. So... If you like a strong engine, if you're a little bit heavier of a rider, um, if you like to ride a gear high, if you like to lug, the Yamaha is a great engine package for you. I have my buddy Greg. He's been on this podcast before. He can ride the Yamaha so good because he doesn't shift. He just rides it in third gear, and the way this bike handles, you it, it appreciates a guy that can lug his bike and be lazy. So... If you're a lazy rider, this engine is the right engine for you. Now, the suspension is the best suspension in class, but it does move a lot. So if you like a suspension that moves underneath you, you can feel that and also soaks up a lot of the track, 
But some of you guys out there do not like a, a suspension that moves a lot. You're looking for a slower rebound down uh, rebound uh, feel. And I try to tell those guys that is not the nature of a Yamaha or KYB fork and shock. It's it's active. It it uh it moves a lot in the stroke. And if you guys are looking for more of a dead feeling suspension, that is more of a WP thing. Showa used to be that way, but now their latest stuff on you know <clears throat> on the Kawasaki and the Honda, it moves a lot in the stroke. It has a more of a comfort feeling because I think a lot of these. Japanese suspension tuners are trying to beat this KYB SSS fork because it simply is just the best fork, stock production fork out there. I know a lot of factory guys have tested the stock fork and they're like, wow, we couldn't believe how good it was on an outdoor setting. And their factory settings don't really vary that far off from production settings. So that tells you something right there, how good that Yamaha fork, that KYB fork is. So if you're a taller guy, I get a lot of this too. Hey, man, I can't get used to the cockpit. I understand it. I'm six foot. I do feel cramped. It has that pocket in the seat. But there are some things you can do to help that along. I know Fastway, um, researching some other companies as well and testing them, some other pegs that you can move down and get a little bit more comfort out of the rider triangle. But if you're a taller dude, this cockpit isn't the best for you. And I always told you guys, rider triangle is very important. You can have the best suspension and engine, but if you can't feel comfortable on the machine, there's no use to getting this bike because you're just never going to feel comfortable no matter how, how good it is. So there are some things you can do. You can get a taller seat. Guts offers a taller seat. Obviously, GYTR does too, but it's been on back order forever. That's a nightmare, I know, for you guys out there. But Guts has a one-inch taller seat. It takes that dip off. I have a friend that has been testing this along with me, and he's 5'10", and he prefers the tall seat. I can go back and forth. I don't mind a stock seat as long as it's new. It has to be firm. Uh, Guts has a firm foam that I like, but it's really firm, and it takes some time to break in. So just note that. So if you're a rider that likes to lug, Yamaha's for you. If you're a guy that's taller and can't get used to a cockpit and um, feels cramped on a machine, especially guys with longer arms and legs, you're going to have a hard time with a Yamaha. Unless you want to spend a little bit of money, steer clear from the Yamaha, okay, until they get their ergonomics kind of figured out a little bit. I know Travis Preston has a lot of input on the ergonomics of that machine, and that's one of the reasons why they went to that front hole in the triple clamp with the mounts you know, in the forward hole. But to me, that's just a Band-Aid. That's an easier Band-Aid. Let's just move this forward. We don't have to spend that much money, and we can say we kind of helped the cockpit a little bit. That is not a true fix to help open up this cockpit a little bit. I always tell guys, hey, you're a shorter rider. You may like this cockpit, but the bike overall will feel big to you. So if you're looking for a planted machine that's stable, slower turning, okay? It doesn't turn sharp like a Honda and is stable in these corners. So if you have these sweepers and they're all chopped up, the Yamaha is a great bike. If you're looking for a quick handling motorcycle, the Yamaha shouldn't be on top of your list. All right, guys? So... I would say for me, if I had to put it in a perspective as a production test guy, 
the percentage pie, Steve likes to use that word, the percentage pie of what this bike can do for a wide range of people, I would say 75%. I would say this bike is good for 75% of the people that are interested in 450s. Simply put, because it does a lot of things well and only a couple things that it doesn't. But those couple things can make or break a sale. Again, as always, get a good price. Get a good dealership. Those two things are important when buying a new 450. Dealerships that are involved in this show, they're great people. They love the sport. They help the sport. So go to those types of people. That makes a difference. You can go buy a bike $1,500 cheaper, but if your dealer support sucks ass, there's no sense going there. Spend the extra money. Go to a place that you're going to you know, like to revisit and purchase things through, okay? Because we got to keep those dealerships alive as well. It's very tough right now, so just know that. Um, moving on to the Honda. We talked about the Honda. If you're a front-end steering rider, Honda is excellent. If you're a heavier guy, if you're over 200 pounds, I complain about the chassis being rigid all the time. You hear me bitch about this all the time on the Honda. If you're a heavier guy, you're going to like it. You're not going to notice as much rigidity as I do being all dick and ribs over here, right? Uh, perfect example, Chris Riesenberg at Racetech rode a Yamaha last week, has his new Honda Sierra 450R, prefers his Honda because it corners better. Maybe he's having trouble cornering. The Yamaha's not that you know, um, friendly of a machine to help you corner. You have to have some technique involved. The Honda... You almost could throw out the technique totally. Like, you can almost be like, I'm a horrible fucking guy that can corner. I can't do it. But the Honda kind of lays in there for you nicely, makes it easier for you to do that. So, heavier guy, front-end steering guy, and a guy who likes a lot of power, man. This Honda is fast. If you like a lot of bottom end, this Honda's great. If you live in a, a soft condition, sandier place, Great bike. If you're more of a hard pack type of guy, this bike could be a lot for you to handle, no matter what you do, unless you're spending upwards 4000 bucks on some suspension, on some uh, ignition, on things that really calm the chassis down. Now, do not, little tip here, I'm not a big fan of these engine mounts on this 2020 Honda Sierra 450R. It doesn't really do anything for me. Yes, it helps slap down landings a little bit, but it hurts your guys' cornering, okay? That's probably, chances are, the reasons why you got a Honda. One or two reasons, engine or how good it corners. So just know that keep your money, work on technique, or simply go to a different ignition. That'll help this whole thing calm down, and it will actually help the chassis a little bit that I explained about in these other podcasts. So again, Lighter guy, hard pack guy, doesn't like a lot of power. This Honda may not be for you. But if you're a heavier guy, you like a lot of power, you live in on the East Coast where it's soft dirt and has great dirt, Honda would be a deadly weapon, man. You could kill some results on this bike. And you're going to rip a lot of hole shots because coming out of the gate in soft condition, this bike stays up on top of the dirt the most and drives forward. I've gotten incredible starts on long, deep, tilled up starts man the honda rips i also want to mention something about the honda as well for me and i didn't mention it about the yamaha yamaha and the honda reliability are really good yes honda has a little bit of a clutch problem it's stiff not the best action 
clutch in the business, okay? But Honda, you can beat the shit out of a Honda and ride it and just change the oil and it's good. Same goes for the Yamaha. Now, when I say that, I do get some emails saying, oh, second gear blew up on my Yamaha. Oh, the rod went out on my Honda. You know, it's like there's, there's an excuse for everything, okay? There is a reason for certain things to break. It doesn't mean it happens to every single bike. It's not a problem. I've experienced some problems on some new bikes here, you know, last six to seven months. We've had a failure on our KX250 that was engine-related. That has something to do with the valve train. I've heard other people have that as well. So maybe that is a problem. Um, For me, I would experience a lot of problems as much as I ride. I feel like I would get some of these problems on my bikes. Okay, And when you guys email me and say, hey, that's bullshit, man. Kiefer, Yamaha second gear sucks. Dude, I have 85 hours on my Yamaha and I've had no transmission issues at all. So I feel like I would get some of that problem if it was going to happen. It it would happen over here at least, you know? So that's my two cents about about all that. So good brakes on the Honda. They've fixed some of that problem over the years, so it has great brakes. But for me, heavier guys, front-end steering, you're having a little bit of trouble technique-wise. You don't feel like learning. You know, I just want to lay the bike over, have a good time, have a, a exciting engine character. To me, the Honda is a great bike for that reason. Now, moving on to the Kawasaki KX450, Joe Aloff has been mostly in charge of that bike. I have ridden it, I would say, maybe a third of the hours Joe has. But to me, even though it's more neutral than ever, it still has that rear-end steering feel. I know Joe is a rear-end steering guy, and he really likes that bike because of that reason. It has stability. So if you're a GP guy, you're a works guy, you want to go, you're going fast, you're a Heron Hound guy, Kawasaki, probably the best bike you can probably get. Most stable, best bump absorption in class as far as chassis. For sure, that bike is stable and can rear steer and you can go fast on it without feeling sketchy. I came out here to a couple tracks near my house, which are very fast, upwards of fourth gear at times, and I've never felt so comfortable on a bike going that fast on a motocross track because of just how that chassis feels. So if you're looking for stability, you're going to give up a little bit of front-end steering, this Kawasaki could be for you. Very comfortable. If you're a heavier guy, no matter what, you're going to have to have springs for this machine. It is slightly undersprung, even for me. Anywhere above 170 to maybe 175 pounds, if you're above that range, you're going to have to go to a heavier fork spring. Unless you're over 190, the stock shock spring is fine for you. But minimal work to this bike, a little bit of clutch work. You can take the judder spring out to get a little bit better of clutch action. Uh, again, fork springs going to a 5-1 spring in the for- in the front. And you can ride it and be happy. You don't really need a lot of work done to the Kawasaki to be able to go fast. But more cater to a rear-end steering rider that likes to go fast and wants some cushion in his frame and doesn't mind giving up a little bit of that cornering character, um, unlike a Honda where it just has a ton of cornering character and not as much straight-line stability. I would say... Any any weight range is good here. You're just going to have to know to really focus in on spring rates. And, of course, the ability level, no problem. Beginner to pro, 
The way this engine power is delivered is easy to ride. It has throttle response. It has good RPM response. And then it turns into some, if I would have to say, it's in between a KTM delivery and a Yamaha. It's not as strong as a Yamaha, but it's not as smooth as a KTM. So it's in between that. And it it pulls really seamlessly into the mid-range. It just doesn't pull as far as a, a Honda or a Yamaha or even a KTM. You will have to short shift this thing a little bit to make it work better for you. If you're a lugger, not going to work as good as a Yamaha, plain and simple. It'll force you down into second gear at times or else you'll stall it. Like the Honda as well, I guess I didn't mention that. Honda doesn't like to be lugged in third gear unless you have to do some gearing changes or engine work. Simply put, Honda and the Kawasaki like to be downshifted. So if you're coming into a corner second gear, that's what it's like. So just know that if you're a lugger, you're going to have to look somewhere towards a Yamaha to kind of get that lug ability. It was a word I made up a while ago, lugability. So uh, Kawasaki, excellent. We've had great luck with ours over here. I know some people have had some rods go through their bike. Yes, that's right. Rods go through the bottom end on the Kawasaki, but... We have yet to have that issue here. Hopefully that's not going to happen because that sounds awfully expensive. Uh, any one of these machines can take, uh, I, I use, most of the time I use Firepower 1040 oil or Blood Lubricants 1040 synthetic. Those are my oils, my go-tos. That's what I use. Both are excellent. I've used them. So I can vouch for those oil companies and how good their oil is. Any one of those companies right there will do a great job in your engine and make it long-lasting. And especially for me, I'm a clutch dragger in order to uh, come out of I'm not a clutch abuser. I clutch drag to keep my front end down. And, of course, that really takes a toll on the oil. And these two oil companies right here that I mentioned seem to do the best for me as far as what it looks like when I drain the oil. It's not black as night, right? So um, it doesn't break down as quickly. Commercial time. Get some discount codes. Save yourself some money and listen to these badass commercials. Stay tuned. Here they come. We'll be back with the show soon. Don't stress. All-American Chevrolet in Colleen, Texas is a proud supporter of Keeper Inc. and invites everyone to experience the difference for all of your Chevy sales and service needs. Mention Keeper Inc. and get 50% off your next oil change and a front end alignment at no charge. Remember, whether you're hauling your bikes to the weekend track, trail, or race, or commuting to the job that pays for your moto habit, we have the truck to get you there in style. Visit us online anytime at ChevyColleen.com. That's All-American Chevrolet of Colleen. Chevy, find new roads. FMF, fast mother, bleep, nah, flying machine factory, that's what it stands for, go to fmfracing.com, you got a four stroke, two stroke, they've got what you need, trust me, older two stroke pipes and silencers, they have it, they still make them, you got a newer four stroke, you want some extra horsepower, they got that too, but most importantly, if you guys want to look cool at the track, maybe you want to make your chick look cool. You want to wear a cool hat, or you're a two-stroke guy, and you want a shirt that says mixing gas and hauling ass. Go to fmfracing.com. They got a whole merch section. Trust me, it's real. there's a lot of stuff over there. It looks pretty cool. So Kiefer Inc. 19 saved you some money on the merch. I suggest you go do it. I have a two-stroke shirt, and I don't even wear freaking two-stroke shirts. That's how cool this thing is. So 
Go to fmfracing.com. Save yourself some money. And, of course, you have any problems, you have any concerns, hit me up, chris at keferinktesting.com, and hopefully I can guide you in the right direction on FMF products. I know a lot about them, so trust me, they're good, quality built. There's even a guy back in the dining room you probably never heard of. His name is George. He is a wizard. He is the one just grinding away, doing all of the dyno testing, handing the, the stuff off to me at times to test. He's a smart dude fmfracing.com go visit the site it's a cool site go get some merch save yourself some money with Kiefer Inc thank you guys just because you're older guys doesn't mean you should stop racing look I'm 43 years old I love racing I love it so there is a club Old Timers MX more importantly Oregon Old Timers MX there are some races happening that are fun you get long motos and you get to hang out with your buddies and go home happy your wife will be happy because you'll be happy. So do it. Arizona Canyon MX Park, February 29th through March 1st. And then we got another one coming up, SoCal Glen Helen. Oh, man, you know I'll be there. April 18th to the 19th. The whole schedule is up on OregonOldTimers.com. They go to Nevada. They go to Montana. They go to Washington. Even British Columbia. Even Hangtown. Go check them out, OregonOldTimers.com. And if you guys end up going to these races, the first five guys that sign up and list Kiefering Testing as a sponsor, show me the proof on my email. I will reimburse your entry fee. The first five guys. That's right. That's how committed I am for you guys out there to go race. Don't be this old dude that sits at home and doesn't want to go ride, doesn't go race. Go do it. OregonOldTimers.com. Canyon's coming up, Arizona, and Glen Helen. I will see you guys at Glen Helen. First five guys, show me proof. Chris at KeeferingTesting.com. I'll reimburse your entry forms. Crazy! Have you guys checked out BloodLubricants.com? If you haven't, BLUDLubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike, Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain. And uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils. And uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check the legitimacy of this stuff. Because um, I didn't want no crap involved in keyframe testing. Um, honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil. Did some temperature readings. It was little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Enduro Cross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. They got some Supercross guys. So go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code KEFER and get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. ScreenPrintingDone.com You guys looking to make up some shirts, hoodies, or hats with a logo on it? Or maybe you want a logo made up for your business and you want to transfer that over to some t-shirts? Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com Neil over there is a writer. He owns the company. He is a rad human being. And he is here to hook you guys up. Order 12 shirts and get 10 for free. They have all different kinds of shirts, Hoodies, hats, different fabrics, 
all different kinds of stuff. Go hit them up, screenprintingdone.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and get 10 free shirts. Be sure to say Kiefer. That's right, Kiefer and screenprintingdone.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Neil. Firepowerparts.com. Excellent batteries, longer life. They're great batteries. I have them in all my test bikes. And, hey, they make chains, very good chains. My chain on my YZ450F is about 12 hours deep, still good. And, of course, they have oil, too. Firepowerparts.com. They keep adding new products to their line. So go check out the website. It's very cool, firepowerparts.com. Hey, you guys looking to get a KTM? You want to get the best price on one? Carson City Motorsports is Northern Nevada's largest KTM and Husqvarna dealership. That's right, Husqvarna's as well. They have the largest KTM and Husqvarna inventory around with their new 10,000-square-foot vehicle showroom, making it easy to find whatever you are looking for. Head over to Carson City Motorsports. It's the only Northern Nevada Arctic Cat dealership as well. And, of course, mention my name and get a special deal on either a KTM, Arctic Cat, or a Husqvarna. Hit me up over at chris at keferinktesting.com, and I'll get you in touch with the guys over at Carson City Motorsports and get you down the road with a new motorcycle. Hey, did you crash? Or maybe you're just looking for a different handlebar bend. Go to protaper.com and go look at the Evo and Fusion line handlebars. I run the Fusion on the KTM 450, and I run the Evo on the YZ450F. Doesn't matter what you are. You like crossbars. You don't want a crossbar. Pro Taper has it. They got grips. Dude, they got some nice, soft grips. I'm a half waffle soft guy. Greatest grips ever. Go check them out. The race cut grips. Come on. I am an SX Race Evo and Fusion guy. So go check them out. ProTaper.com. And if you guys are wondering about handlebar dimensions, go to KeeferInkTesting.com. There's a complete article on which handlebar dimension is best for your bike. Go search around. It's a fun article. Keyfring testing. It's a great place to do it. You know what else is? Pro Taper. ProTaper.com. Maybe you're at home or in the car and you listen to the Kiefer Tested Podcast. Maybe you already own a home. Maybe you're looking to purchase. You know what? Rates are down, so maybe you should try refinancing now. I know Heather and I just did. You can pull cash out, debt consolidation, or... Maybe you just need some credit score advice. Deal with a professional that has been in the business for 25 years, dude. And this guy rides. He's a good dude. Zach Morris. No, not Saved by the Bell, Zach Morris. He's licensed in California, Nevada, and Colorado. You can call or text Zach at Plum Creek Funding, 720-212-4685. you guys have any questions about Zach, hit me up, chris at keferinktesting.com, or just simply text him yourself, 720 212 4685 Plum Creek Funding Zach Morris hit him up back with the show thanks for hanging tough on those commercials I appreciate it all right going to move on to let's just go to the Suzuki everyone say that's going to be last no we're not going to talk about that last let's talk about it now Suzuki needs to stick around people I'm scared I'm really scared that we're going to lose Suzuki as a motorcycle group I hope that doesn't happen because man it, the bike gets a bad name because it gets sixth place in shootouts. Not a lot of people are riding them. doesn't have an electric start. There's some things that, you know, are simply uh, just missing from the Suzuki. But there's, there's some things that it does excellent. Again, you're having problem cornering. Corners 
better than a Honda. It'll fall in. You just say the word corner and it turns. Like you can lay this sucker down in a rut and it it goes so easy. And it's so easy just to tip in. For how heavy this bike is, it feels lighter than any other bike inside of a rut because that's how easy it can corner. So if you're looking for a bike, you're riding tighter tracks, again, you, you need to learn how to corner a little bit better. The Suzuki does wonders. If you're riding a faster type of track with a lot of chop, you'll have a rough time with this bike because of the, the rigid nature of the chassis. We don't talk about the Suzuki engine enough on this RMZ450 because it's just okay. It's not even bad. It's not great. It's, it's fine. It has enough power, and it's very smooth feeling and has great mid-RPM response. It doesn't have a lot of bottom-end RPM response, but, man, the mid-range RPM response is great. For those of you guys wondering what the hell is mid, <laughs> mid-range RPM response, is as you're coming out of a corner, trying to paint you guys a picture here, you're coming out of a corner, shifting into third gear, and you need to get over something at it once you're out of the corner. That's most of the time, that is mid-range RPM response, okay? Half throttle, need to clip it, need to, need to blip it, you know, a little bit to get over something or get over an obstacle. This is very crisp and clean in the mid-range. I can use the stock coupler. I go to the white coupler. It still feels the same in the mid-range. If you want to get a little bit more snap off the bottom, go to the, the, the lean coupler, and that'll help you. And it wakes up the engine a little bit. This isn't a revving type of engine, all right? This is more of a short shift type of engine. It likes that. It actually lugs better than the Honda, okay? So if you are a lugger, that's probably the second best bike there is in this whole comparison that we're kind of doing right here. The Yamaha and then Suzuki. So short shifting this thing, that's what it likes. It likes that feeling. I always talk about with these different engines, okay, and how they pulse. It sounds super weird, but each bike has its own pulse. I always call it the heartbeat. The KTM has a really light pulse. Like, it almost feels like it's going to stall a time because it's quiet. It's really free feeling. Then you have these deeper heartbeats, these deeper pulses like a Yamaha and a Suzuki where you can really lug them. Uh, the Kawasaki and Honda are similar where the pulses are different and they're not as light as a, as a KTM and Husky, but not as heavy as a Yamaha and Suzuki. So the, the deeper the heartbeat the better the bike will lug. It sounds really lame, but this is kind of what we use in the testing world is what kind of heartbeat that has. What kind of pulse does that engine have? Every time it goes pop, 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 pop. There's a, that's its heartbeat. That's what I like to call it. And that right there is what you feel when you roll the engine, when you roll the throttle on and off and you have that engine RPM go up and down. So Suzuki does that really well. It's just that... When the track gets rough, it's a tough bike to hold on to in a straight line because it does feel firm. I would say close to a Honda in firmness, okay, but not as rigid as a Honda. When you hit a bump straight line on a Honda, you know it. When you hit a bump straight line on Suzuki, you don't know it until the rear end hits it. This is where the bike feels disconnected because of the shock. This BFRC shock is kind of a nightmare, and we've talked about it over and over again, but this is where you will have problems. If you're a weekend warrior, 
and you don't give a shit about what I'm talking about, and you probably will not feel it because you just want to go ride with your buddies, have a good time, moto down, talk shit, drink some beers. The Suzuki is fine, and you're saving a shit ton of money. You can get a Suzuki $6,6500, and you won't even know what the hell I'm talking about. You'll be like, dude, I don't know what Kiefer's even talking about. This bike's fine. If you're that kind of guy, go with the Suzuki. Do yourself a favor. Do yourself this, this the whole industry a favor and go buy a Suzuki because you don't need this fast engine or the best suspension because you're not going to know the difference anyway. So go buy a Suzuki, enjoy it, and I can tell you one thing right now. Suzuki is not a piece of shit when it comes to reliability. I've had many Suzukis, and we still do right now, and it's upwards over 50 hours or close to it, and we haven't had an issue. You change your oil, you change your air filter, it runs. There's no problems. Suzukis are reliable, and there is a market, and there is consumers that need Suzukis. If you're a weekend warrior, you want a new bike, and you want to be different, there's nothing wrong with the Suzuki RMZ450. Save yourself $3,000, okay? This thing jumps excellent. We don't talk about that enough in these podcasts either, how flickable. It used to be a thing in the magazines, how flickable a bike is. For how heavy the Suzuki is, it's very flickable in the air. doesn't feel heavy. It feels heavy once you're out of the corner, what we call area three of the corner. Once you're trying to tip it back up, that's when it feels heavy. Tip in, not so heavy. Area two, middle corner, not heavy at all. Really light, light feeling until you're starting to tip it back up out of area three. Again, you guys <laughs> out there just want to go ride with your buddies, maybe hit the trail sometimes. You don't mind kickstarting your bike. Don't worry about it. Buy a Suzuki RMZ450. Very capable machine. With all these bikes, though, please set your sag. That's it. I know if you don't give a shit and you're a weekend warrior, just set your sag. It's... It's a day and night difference. That's something you will notice. If you're at 125 millimeters of sag or you're at 85, something's fucked up. Fix it. Get down to at least a range of 100 to 108. That's all I'm asking for you guys that don't give a shit. Other guys listening to this that are more particular, you and I both know that it does make a difference, even in some millimeters, a few millimeters. But for these other people listening... And just want to enjoy themselves on two wheels, strap on the helmet, and go have fun with their buddies. Just get it within a range of 8 to 10 mil. You'll be, you'll be close enough, okay? So Suzuki, excellent bike. You need to learn how to corner. Suzuki will help you. It's like a built-in teacher, okay? That's what I like to call it. People always ask me on the email, hey, I need to learn how to corner. I go, buy a Suzuki. You know, it doesn't even have to talk to you. Suzuki will teach you how to corner. Boom, done. Great for front-end steering riders and uh, overall less expensive than trying to buy this next group, KTM or Husqvarna. So who are you, Husqvarna KTM owners? You got a little bit of money. You may want to do a little bit of work on your bikes. You just don't want to buy it and ride it. Yep, this is it. This is where we're at, KTM and Husqvarna. One of the best bikes out there, come a long way. I used to be employed by KTM way back in 2003, 2004 when I was test riding for them. And man, were they pieces of shits back then. They were complete dog shit, but man, they have turned it around the past five, six, seven years, man. They have gotten great machines, steel frames, like that character a lot. This bike feels light. If you like a light-feeling motorcycle, the KTM Husqvarna FC or SXF is the bike for you. You like to corner. 
It feels light in a corner. It has corner instability. Stability. It's easy to get in and out of corners. That is your that's your jam right there, orange or white. You don't mind a little bit of a stiffer chassis initially, okay? And I say initially because this new I don't want to even want to say new generation. This new style frame that KTM and Husqvarna have come out with since 2018 and a half, I think, is stiffer than the previous versions. But it will break in. I'm at about 30 hours on my factory edition right now, and it is so much better than where I was at when I was at hour three or four. It takes a little time to break in. But if you like a stiffer nature, no matter um, if it's at four hours or 30 it's still a little bit stiffer feeling than a Kawasaki or a Yamaha chassis, plain and simple. It will break in, and it will change more than an aluminum frame will. Just know that. At the course of its life, the KTM and Husqvarna frame will deteriorate over time quicker than aluminum frame, period. If you have a 100-hour KTM versus a 100-hour Yamaha, the 100-hour Yamaha will feel like a new bike compared to the KTM. It takes a little bit of uh, work to get to break that sucker in, but once it's broke in, it will it'll kind of flex more. It'll calm down. It won't be so rigid feeling. It won't deflect as much. Um, but just know you're never quite going to get the plushness out of the KTM and Husqvarna chassis as you will with the Kawasaki or Yamaha. So... The positive to this, and if you're a rider that, that's like me and that likes to have an easier engine delivery, I like that because it frankly makes me ride harder. I have a tendency to ride smooth. I'm a smooth type of guy. When I ride smooth, usually ride my best. So now I have this engine character that's really smooth and linear, but it forces me to ride harder. It's like when both worlds meet and gets my lap time down. It, it allows for me to push more, this chassis, than the Yamaha when the track gets really rough. The Yamaha will kind of wallow a little bit more. And for those of you guys wondering, well, I want to push it. But it's at the point where you're really pushing and, and loading and unloading this Yamaha chassis. The KTM chassis does this way better when you're pushing hard driving through the first four, five, six, seven braking bumps on the throttle. That's where I'm talking about. When you're you're going past the normal braking point of the braking bumps, the KTM Husqvarna chassis is better and rewards those type of guys for pushing versus a Yamaha. So there is a blend here for you KTM and Husqvarna guys. This bike is for with to me made for riders that have a little bit more money or people have a little bit of money in their bank account and they want to feel like they can go out and boom corner very good and man i can hold on to this bike more than three to four laps it doesn't get me arm pump because it frankly doesn't have the excitement like the yamaha does so it's a good and bad thing if you're looking for excitement Right out of the box, the KTM Husqvarna is not your bike. If you're looking for a linear feel that's easy to ride and won't knock your socks off when you go ride it, but, man, your lap times sure say that you're, you're a badass, that is what you need to look for in the KTM. That fits that type of guy. Plain and simple. Linear, easy delivery. I'm not going to get arm pump. 
Easy to, easy to manage. I get another question. Should I get a 350 or a 450? Man, honestly, I'd get a 450 just because it's still easy to ride. And it's just as light as a 350. To me, you can be lazier on a 450 and and not have to worry about the repercussions of having extra weight from a 450 or a lot more power because going from a 350 to a 450 is not a lot much different in the weight feeling. But the way the power is delivered on the 450 is easier to ride. A 350, you kind of got to ride it like a 250 to go fast. And for me, 42 years old, I just want to ride the thing, twist the throttle, shift once or twice a lap, and leave it alone. Hopefully that gets my lap time down, right? Well, that's what this KTM Husqvarna does beautifully. Very nice. Easy to ride. Light feeling. You ask a lot of other R&D test riders, they really appreciate how light feeling this KTM and Husqvarna is. And of course, it's 11 to 12 pounds lighter than any other machine. So these other guys, I would say, well, the Kawasaki, I think it's nine pounds. So it's still a lot of weight. If you guys are thinking, hey, nine pounds ain't that much, that's bullshit. I'm calling bullshit. There's a lot of weight there in nine pounds. When you guys put a muffler on your Japanese bikes and lose two pounds, that's a lot of weight. So just know KTM and Husqvarna has that down. Negatives to the KTM and Husqvarna, of course, is the air fork for me. That's why I'm telling you guys, if you guys have a little bit of money to burn, this is probably the bike to do it because as unlike the Yamaha, where you're trying to dump money into it, you're not getting a lot more out of it. You dump money into your KTM or Husqvarna, and you're getting a lot more out of it. Uh, I don't even need to put a muffler on a Yamaha. I put a muffler on a Yamaha, and sometimes I go backwards. And when I do find a muffler that works good on a Yamaha, it's minimally better. It's a little bit better, but that stock muffler is so damn good on a Yamaha. You go to a KTM, you put an FMF muffler on a KTM, it gets a lot better. It's a lot different and a lot friendlier to ride. Gets you some more excitement. Get an ignition on a KTM and Husqvarna. Get more excitement. Get more pull, but yet still have a linear power delivery. There's so many advantages to adding parts to a KTM and Husqvarna. Out of all these bikes that we've talked about today in this podcast, the KTM and Husqvarna does better with modifications than any other bike. You will see a lot of difference when you do mods to this bike. I would say the second bike that you will see the most benefit from is the Honda. When you do stuff to the Honda, a.k.a. ignition, maybe some suspension work, the chassis gets a lot better. It gets easier to ride, so that helps the chassis. So Yamaha, if you just want to hop on and go, that's that's the bike. If you want to do a little bit of work, KTM and Husqvarna, man, it's it's a fun bike to ride. It's hard for me to decide which bike I want to ride if I'm not testing because I love both bikes a lot. Man, Those the blue and the orange and the white bike, they're fun to ride. And even when I have random people at the house and they ride these bikes back-to-back, which I've done on more than one occasion, they can't believe how easy it is to ride the orange and white bike. I agree because uh, of its weight and its and its engine character. So, again, you guys will see this, man. Like I talk about stuff repeatedly on this podcast, but if you guys listen to this show enough, you guys know that I get the same question asked to me more than one time. So I may sound like a robot sometimes, but I really want to get my point across on each bike of where the positives and the negatives are. So hopefully this will drive you home into the right 
bike. And then you will feel at home when you go riding. You won't be cursing my name. Cursing my name. Be like, God damn, Kifa. You son of a bitch. You steered me in the wrong direction. I don't want that. I want to help you guys and get you happy on a motorcycle because, man, there's nothing more fun than riding a dirt bike. It is a blast to ride, especially when you have one that works really good. So that breaks down the 450 side of it. We are going to have a part two to this thing. We're going to talk about the 250s here soon. And we're going to discuss which 250 is best for you, what it does right, what type of rider it likes the most, and what type of rider it doesn't like. So we're going to do part two of that. And then if you guys would like a part three off-road edition, let me know. Hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com. And maybe I'll do that to you guys as well. You never know. I got some sneaky off-road trails over here. So if you guys just think I'm pure moto... Think again. Between me and Michael Allen, we got a lot of trail miles underneath us. So uh, this quarantine, maybe we're quarantined up in the des where the trails are. You never know. We could be doing that. Not everything is on social media, people. Lots of sneaky stuff going around around here. <laughs> um, please support the, uh, the sport. We need you right now. Uh, if you guys can't ride, dress up your bikes. Call graphic companies. Get some new grips, get some handlebars, get some tires if you can afford it, right? That stimulus money that good old Trump is putting out there, let's, uh, let's use that for some uh, from dirt bike stuff. Let's help stimulate our motorcycle two-wheeled economy, and that keeps these companies up and moving. I, I can't stress that enough. It's a, it's a bad time right now. A lot of people are getting laid off in our industry, uh, especially in the OEMs. They're getting furloughed. Man, they're uh, getting cut pay. I know I've gotten cut pay before, and it's not fun, especially when you got bills to pay and a family to feed. So, yeah, if you can, guys, try to support our sport more and get some new stuff, head over to RockyMountainATVMC.com. You can click on that banner over on my website and support them, and they do a great job of getting those parts out to you in a very quick manner. Trust me, I just ordered some stuff the other day, came here in two days. I'm stoked. Aiden always goes through parts because he crashes all the time and his YZ125. So, Dad, instead of having to go ask Yamaha for everything, Dad buys some shit, and I go to Rocky Mountain for that. So thank you guys for listening. Hopefully this guides you in the right direction. Any more questions, if I didn't answer something on this podcast, please, by all means, Chris at KeeferInkTesting.com. I'm here to help you guys. KeeferInkTesting.com is there 24-7. You can go back to the archives. There's a lot of stories in there. You can go to the Kiefer Tested podcast, uh, podcast archives, and you can check those out. Man, I've listened to some of those early ones. It's rough. My audio was rough, dude. Like, I've, I've got better equipment now, and I think I even uh, can do a little bit better. I got some more, um, some more stuff coming here in the studio, different mics and things, because Steve really does it right when he does his podcast, and I'm jealous of his sound. But, man, the first... 20 10 15 20 episodes oh it was rough like literally when i started this podcast i don't know how many years three years ago now almost i was hiding in my closet with a microphone and an audio recorder and doing these pods because i didn't know what to do i was just you know steve's like you need this this and this i didn't have enough money to get all that stuff then so i tried to make do with what i had and that's what i did I would hide in our our big closet. Heather has a shit ton of clothes, so it muffled the sound good. It sounded the best in the closet, and that's what I did it. Until I can get a studio and to kind of set up myself here with the microphones, that's where I was at, guys. So uh, 
But there is what I'm getting at here. I'm rambling on. But what I'm getting at is there's some great information in the earlier podcast. Go down there. Check them out. If you're quarantined at home, it's the best time to uh, listen to all these things and update yourself a little bit. You know, Get some more knowledge on our sport. Get some more knowledge on these dirt bikes and parts and things. So thank you guys for joining me. Hope to see you guys later in the week with coffee with the Kiefer's with my lovely Mrs. Heather. We're going to discuss some quarantine topics. Of course, love, sex, dirt bikes, all those things are in Coffee with the Kiefer's. It's a fun, fun show. I only try to do once a month, but uh, it's that time. It's about that time again. And I will see you guys next week on the Pulp MX show. I'll be there next Monday. Don't forget to send your questions in to Steve. We'll get those suckers answered. And hope to see you guys at the track soon, man. I miss going to the track and seeing everybody. Of course, I'm still riding quite a bit out here, but it's not like being around good people at the track. Us motorcycle dirt bike guys are just a unique breed and very cool to be around. I love talking to you guys about dirt bikes and your life and and all the things that go along with that. So hopefully this thing ends soon, and we'll see you guys at the track ripping, and we'll be uh, spraying some mud on each other. Sounds great. Sounds fun. See you guys next week.